You are listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Happy hump day! I say that not knowing what day it is that you're listening, but at the moment while we're in lockdown, every day feels like hump day, doesn't it, Grace? Yeah, I think especially this week I found, this seems to have been the hump week for me, and I know a lot of people I've spoken to this week, it's really, it's really tiring, but <laughs> we're nearly through it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, def- it's definitely been a week this week. It's, um, yeah, I think everybody's feeling it now. Okay, very good, very good. Um, it, yeah, that's definitely what we're hearing from parents with children at home as well at the moment. <laughs> and today we're going to be reaching out to a lot of those parents um, and to people who work with young people, because um, today our show is all about empowering children with disabilities. So as you will have come to expect during this lockdown period, you are listening to myself, Ruth Early, and my partner in crime, Grace Spence-Green. Hi, Gracie. Hello. And this is something that you were particularly interested in, in discussing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really important. I think we've um, we talked about, um, we talked to people that have grown up with a spinal cord injury and a disability, but I, I really don't think we've had um, kind of this side of things before. So I think it's a really important topic to talk about. We're thrilled to have two brilliant guests to introduce you to. First up, it's Nina Tame, owner of her very own spinal cord injury and mum to four children, including Clark with spina bifida. Hi, Nina. Hello. Uh, you're very welcome to the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, and we're also joined today by Ella Proven. She's the under 18 services manager at the Backup Trust. And she's going to be talking to us today about the services that are available for children and young people with spinal cord injury. So you're very welcome to the show, Ella. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's good. To, we actually talked about you coming on the show a really long time ago, and it just this is the first time it happened, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, in good news, you will be the latest person in the backup office to add to the Spinal Crap mug collection. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my own. I'll get to keep it at home for a little while. <laughs> uh, Nina, I don't know if you're aware that uh, by coming on the show, you get a the very coveted Spinal Crap mug. <gasps> That's um, so exciting! I can't believe you didn't tell me that before. This is, this is amazing. I, mean, I, would, I would have had you on, like you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had to talk about coming on. We just show you the mug, and you would have been, been there. Yeah, I'd have been there. <laughs> um, obviously, we can't get them out just at the moment, but we're giving everybody a mug IOU. And once all of these uh, restrictions have lifted, we will get to post offices and get them out to you. Um, so yeah, you've got that to look forward to post lockdown. <laughs> gonna keep me going, <laughs> Nina. Before we come to talking about children, I want to just talk about you for a moment. Um, because as I said, you have a spinal cord injury, you uh, do a lot of work as a blogger and a disability activist. Is that right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and I do disability mentoring as well. It's um, 
What does that what does that include? Well, I'm basically I'm a trained counsellor um, and used to have my own private practice. And then just as the years have gone on, things have sort of changed and kind of doing sort of my disability activism work and realising just what a need there was sort of in the community for sort of therapists, counsellors who are disabled, um, working with disabled people. So it's 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 very similar to counselling, but I call it mentoring because I bring a lot of my own sort of disability experience it as well okay and is it adults that you work with mostly yes mostly adults yeah okay that's really cool that's really cool we'll be talking about mentoring with Ella in a few moments as well um but before that um I just wanted to say that Grace introduced me to your Instagram account Nina um and what really grabbed my attention from it was that it was just brimming with positivity um, and in particular, um, body positivity. And I was just talking at it, what, what was it I said to you, Grace? I was like, oh, my God, she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, you're so nice. It was so lovely to see somebody be so positive and um, just comfortable in their own skin. And, yeah, so that was really cool to see. So I just, I just wanted to say that. Thanks very much. It's taken a long, long time. Um, and I do still have moments like, yeah lockdown's definitely testing my body positivity a lot <laughs> yeah we're getting through it well also lockdown is probably challenging how much chocolate you can actually fit into your <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot it's very very impressive a whole impact packet of biscuits that's it yeah you kind of have to have the whole packet and it's fine it's a pandemic you're allowed it's totally cool Meal times are often the best part of the day as well, aren't they? When we're all at home and there's something to look forward to. It just breaks breaks the day up. I've never been so excited about what we're going to have for our tea. Oh my god! Brilliant, Nina. I I kind of wanted to ask you a, a question to start off. Is that how has it been for you as as first a disabled woman and now um, the mother of a disabled child? I just kind of want your your perspective. Well, I'm going to try not to go on too long because it always feels like it's a bit of a long story. So when, um, so Clark's six now, and when Clark was born, I did not identify with being disabled as well. I actually found a blog post I wrote about three or four years ago, and the whole blog post was about how I thought disabled was a terrible word, and um, people should use, it literally makes me feel sick reading it back. It's like, you know, people should use differently abled, and all of this sort of stuff. And then as sort of my journey, as I became more physically disabled, so my mobility has decreased over the last six years, um, I sort of really sort of worked on my own kind of stuff and, you know, suddenly discovered the disabled community and just, all you know, the social model of disability and just had this kind of real life-changing um, thing, really. So it completely changed how I was sort of talking to Clark about disability as well and how I was sort of, yeah, how we were raising him um, to, you know, to be empowered by it. Because I think I'd grown up very much, you know, we just didn't, it would have been like if my parents had called me disabled growing up, it almost would have felt like it was an insult. You know, like I, I totally get that, why so many people still see disabled as this terrible word. But when you are a kid and you're disabled, you know you're different, you know you're disabled. So then that word can almost get sort of used against you. And, and it just sort of made me, I just never wanted that for Clark. I just wanted him to be really... Um, just comfortable and empowered and have the language to be able to talk about it when people ask him 
which they constantly do. That's brilliant. I actually, I really uh, loved your uh, Instagram story. I think you put on your highlights the other day about uh, boundaries around disabled children. Um, and I, I really liked how you, you kind of described how um, able-bodied parents can be the best allies, you know, at this time. And um, I was wondering sort of what advice you would give to parents with uh, a child with a disability that might, that might not be disabled themselves. I think for a lot of parents, I mean, I can only speak sort of from me, but from a lot of parents, you know, when you're given the diagnosis, if you find out that you're carrying a disabled child, like for us, we were offered determination immediately. Um, and then at every follow-up appointment, we were offered determination. We were like, no, no, no. Um, and you just become even more protective over this, you know, this wonderful baby. So for us, when he was born, we did sort of put it, you know, I, I did put him all over my Instagram and shared every milestone, shared every doctor's appointment and all of this because in my head I was like well this is normalizing disability um and then as time went on and he got older so when he sort of left the safety of our little home and went to school he was getting all these intrusive questions every day like you know what's wrong with you what's wrong with your leg um and first of all we sort of said to him you know you can answer however you want you can tell him the truth you can make up a story so he did that for a while he'd make up these elaborate stories about what happened to him and time but it's still sort of just really you could just tell he'd just be so fed up that you know he's just going about his day playing and then somebody has to come you know and it is I get that all the time well not so much now I'm in a wheelchair but I used to get it all the time when I was on crutches and stuff so for us sort of once I kind of discovered that disabled wasn't a bad word and actually you could embrace this word embrace this community um to be able to sort of pass that on to him and say look you know you don't have to identify as disabled but this is what disabled means to me you know we sort of showed him a load of up like there's um an amazing sort of wheelchair stunt guy um Aaron Wills who's got spina bifida we were like you know look at this and look at all these different people and this is what disability means and we kind of were very honest with him and said but other people don't always get it other people do ask sort of rude questions and other people might stare and you know so we were just sort of very honest about it and just said to him you know you can identify however you want and he kind of just sort of embraced it and ran with it and we sort of said to him the most important thing that we ever empowered him with was saying you don't have to answer these questions you don't have to be polite to anyone even if it's a grown-up if somebody's asking you about your medical stuff unless they're a doctor you just don't have to answer and it just was like such a weight had been lifted off of his shoulders and now if anybody does answer he just sort of says well, nothing's wrong with me I'm disabled and that's it and it's sort of you know to be able to give him the language to be able to say that in such a simple way has been really sort of huge for him, you know, just to be able to go outside of the house and know that if somebody asks him, he doesn't have to sit there and say, well, I've got spina bifida and blah, 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 because, you know, he's six, he doesn't want to have to do that. So I think for me, I think what I would say to any parent who's got a disabled child is kind of, um, you know, find the adult disabled community online. Um, and look at the kind of because they're very different I think when you've got a, a young child it's all about the medical as they get older and they go to school you know the social issues do come in and I think that's where disabled adults can be just such a wealth of information um, and to be able to just yeah to give your child a sense because other people are going to see disabled and disability is a negative thing so so to kind of prepare them for that and explain that to them and just show them this amazing disabled community that there is 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Nina. It's so important to empower children to be able to to not answer questions or to share what they feel comfortable um, in, in doing so and, and having the confidence in that as well. Um, I think one thing is that uh, one of the services we provide is education inclusion support where we can go into school and help raise understanding um, about what it spinal cord injury but disability as a whole means because a lot of time children do have questions and they want to understand but doing so in a way that isn't just leaving that child to answer all their questions or to you know um, give information that perhaps they don't always want to share Um, so yeah that is that's so important. Yeah, well, I think we just sort of run the risk of making these children the kind, you know, putting the responsibility of being these little educators and activists at, at such, you know, and if, you know, we've sort of said to them, as you grow up, you know, if you want to talk about your disability, you can, that's your choice. But yeah, I think we're just, I think just on a whole, we're so polite, aren't we? You know, it took me a long time. People would say to me, oh, what's wrong with you? And I would just feel so icky and awkward. But then I would tell them my entire medical history and then, They'd go, okay, and then they'd walk away. And they were such weird transactions to have because it's the sort of information that you share, you know, when you make friends with someone, you exchange little tidbits of truths about each other and that's what brings you closer. So these kind of strangers approaching you and asking you is so, it's such a small, you know, in the grand scheme of things that disabled people have to face, it's a small thing, but when it's happening to you every single time you leave the house, um, it becomes a really big thing. And I just, you know, and it's, I still find it uncomfortable. Um, you know, and I'm 39 now because I've only just sort of started saying either, well, nothing, I'm disabled or I'll answer with, you know, that's my medical stuff. That's none of your business. But it really feels uncomfortable to say that because it's like, oh my God, I'm being so rude and they're being nice to me. Um, and I just didn't want him to ever have that struggle. And I thought it was really important to us that he would just be confident. And we've also said to him, you know, if somebody asks you, you can say, you know, well, my mum my mum doesn't let me talk about that because I didn't, you know, because again, kids don't want to be rude. And we wanted to give him that sort of exit strategy of sort of blaming us basically and saying, you know, we don't let him talk about it. So in case he sort of felt rude, but yeah, it's, you know, because it's even like, you know, adults will ask him, adults who should know better, adults who don't need to know, and they will ask him. And that's when I just get really, um, yeah, can go a bit mama bear and want to go and rip someone's face off because I don't like it. I think that's really interesting because I found, um, since I was injured that I just, I feel like I have no privacy because people have decided they can ask you, you know, the most um, intrusive questions. And I feel like it would be even, you know, worse, but more difficult to deal with a child. And I think especially in the, the age of social media that we now live in, there's this danger of kind of oversharing online and especially um, with children who don't have that kind of autonomy to decide what information they want and you know it's up to the parents I think that's a really a difficult um thing to deal with I think it's hard because I think parents you know I I sort of was on different groups and stuff when Clark was little and that sort of um it can be really invaluable you know like I remember asking about had anybody seen a specialist doctor in the UK for this and could anyone recommend one so I get that that support is really really important but the thing I sort of sometimes talk about on my Instagram and I, I sort of tentatively talk about it because it's a really, you know, it, it's a hard thing is some parents have accounts purely for their disabled child and they are documenting 
everything. So, and, you know, for them to sort of say, you know, they're one-year-olds incontinent, for example, and uses a catheter, you know, they see nothing wrong with saying that because they're, you know, educating other parents, et cetera, et cetera. But you've literally announced to the world that your child is incontinent. And, you know, I sort of went through that as a teenager. And if I thought that my mum had told you know, anybody about that, I just, it would have destroyed me because it was one of, out of all my disability stuff, I think, you know, for everybody, I think bladder and bowel stuff is, is just always, you know, it shouldn't be, but it is, it's, you know, it can be embarrassing and all of that. So I think that's, for me, the boundary thing, that's the one that whenever I see it online, I'm like, oh, you know, you're, you just shouldn't be sharing that information in a public way because, Nobody would like it if somebody else shared that information about them without their consent online. You just wouldn't dream of, you know, you wouldn't announce that your best friend had something without, you know, without their consent. But we do it with children and it's done with the best intentions. But I don't think it's always thought about that these children are going to grow up and not necessarily want to have had all that. You know, I've got two sort of teenagers who I'm not allowed to put them on my Instagram at all. I was allowed that one family picture the other day and that was it. (laughs) You know, and that's completely fine. It's, you know, that's, it's how it should be. So that's the thing I think that people don't really think about. I think they want to share with the world their amazing child. And I totally get that. Um, And I love this. I know, you know, I follow people who've got a disabled kid and I have no idea what their child's condition is. And I don't need to know because I'm not a doctor. Um, And they just share normal family photos and it's just lovely. But I think by sharing all this medical stuff about young children online, it just feeds into that historical narrative of, you know, that people are entitled to disabled people's medical information, that we're a medical curiosity. Um, You know, and I always sort of, I said to Jace, my other half, you know, we can't say to Clark, you don't have to answer this medical question off of a stranger and still be putting all of his medical stuff on Instagram for everybody to see. That doesn't work. You know, you, you have to have, and I will talk about, you know, he sort of sometimes comes out with amazing things about what he thinks should be done with people who aren't, you know, asking intrusive questions. And he has all these little like ideas about these sort of this world where disabled people, you know, aren't treated like that. And I'll sort of share that kind of side of it, but I don't share anything, you know, if he's got a doctor's appointment or a physio, I don't share any of that because nobody needs to know that. I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's important to sort of be mindful of that and, and what we're sharing. And, and I think we're all trying to sort of navigate this new world of social media and, and, and boundaries within that. I think for some parents sharing it, it can help to raise understanding and awareness and be part of um, coping mechanisms sometimes or, um, yeah, wanting to, to, to give people a better understanding of what perhaps uh, life is like um, as well um, but yeah it's good to sort of be mindful of that isn't it and 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 what we what we do with it yeah and I think for me you know sharing a child's medical condition with the general public none of those general public are going to be able to fix that medical condition or do anything about it I think it just sort of serves curiosity but if you're sharing about the barriers that disabled children are facing or disabled, you know, that's the sort of thing I'd love to see. And that's like Grace, when you were saying earlier about me talking about how, you know, able-bodied parents of disabled kids could be the disabled community's biggest allies because they could be highlighting all of that side of disability because that's the side of disability that society can change. Um, Whereas the medical stuff, 
you know, you can't. I mean, I just, I don't know. I think I've just always been, I kind of, I'm very much like, oh, yeah, that's person's disabled as opposed to, oh, I wonder what they've got, you know, because it, I don't know. I think I've just always, it's just never really bothered me in that way. I think you're right. And I think it does, um, there is the risk of perpetuating this idea that disabled people are just their disability and their medical um conditions and that's it and it's like amazing if they do anything non you know non-medical or if they're I don't know it's like it sets these really weird um expectations for us and so I feel like that doesn't help um kind of our image to the general uh population I mean I don't think I've ever seen a, a film or TV show or even when a disabled person has gone on the news or whatever it is where you don't immediately find out what their disability is. Um, and it's just a really strange, you know, I, I would just, it'd be great to just live in a world where like, oh yeah, they're disabled, but you don't necessarily need to, you know, know every single ins and outs of what that disability is because I think it just, it does just serve a curiosity for most people. They just want to know. Um which is fine if you're, you know, I will share stuff. I share stuff because I'm an adult and I'm more than happy to talk about incontinence and catheters and all of this stuff. But that's, you know, so I think adult disabled people sharing about what they've got because, you know, I've got parents who have been, um, you know, pregnant with another with another pregnant with a spine bifida baby. So being able to, you know, look at me and talk about, you know, me talking about spine bifida, that's great. Um, I think for the adults to do the educating, but I don't think it should be down to the able-bodied parents or the disabled child to be doing it in that same way. I think they, you know, the child should grow up and then choose whether they want to do that. And there's enough disabled adults out there that, you know, are doing it um, and educating around the actual conditions. Definitely. Um, this is a kind of a question for, for both of you sort of, um, in isolation. Um, first Nina, how are you, how are you coping with your kids at home? And is there, um, kind of what, what sort of things have you been, have you been doing? Have you been finding helpful to, um, keep them entertained or keep them feeling empowered? And Ella, the same question about what services are backup providing at this time? Um, so for us, I mean, the, the older two are being set work basically from like as a school day nine to three and they're being really good and they're just getting on with it um and with Clark we just I mean BBC Bite Size has been great for us because they've had some really good resources every single day so we've been doing some of that um Horrible Histories has been a good one just go and put Horrible Histories on mummy's busy um, <laughs> so that's been but yeah it's it's as as time's going on it's getting a little bit now like you know we're getting a, a little bit stir crazy um but yeah, that's kind of just sort of utilising that and that's it really, not sort of giving myself too much of a hard time that they are on tech quite a lot because it's a pandemic. That's okay. That's my, That's just what I'm saying at the minute. Everything's fine, everything you can do. But Ella, I'm sure you've got way more um, better ideas than that. Uh, no, no, I agree. I think you're right. It's so important to uh, remind ourselves that we are sort of having to adapt to these new circumstances quite quickly and make the best of them. And same with what we're doing in our services. Like, obviously, at the moment, we're not able to go into the spinal centres um, or any hospitals to meet uh, newly injured patients face to face. We're not able to run our courses at the moment. So we've been looking at uh, what we can do. Uh, one of our new initiatives is the Backup Lounge, which is a 
3 p.m. on a Friday. And as part of that, we've created an individual lounge for parents of children um, under the age of 18 with a spinal cord injury. Um, just as an opportunity for them to get together, share their experiences, like you just said, Nina, of what things you've been doing, um, how you've been managing this time, um, talking about anything more we can support with, you know, while schools are closed, accessing, you know, how families are finding accessing medical care and, um, you know, keeping their children occupied. So we've been looking at that as well. Um, we've encouraged sort of blogs firsthand from parents on what they're doing, how they're coping, what they're um, what they're up to, and also from young people themselves. So that's really important to us that we're asking young people, like, hey, what would you like to see us doing? Or how do you think we could be um, supporting children and young people during this time. Uh, one thing that came up for them was how they keep motiva motivated whilst being out of school, education, um, and also how they stay uh, active as well. A lot of uh, clubs, their activity clubs are, are closed at the moment. So things that are concerns for them and how we look to, to support them in that as well. And uh, back up early, you said backup usually run um, sort of courses and things like that. And I was wondering how how these courses um, empower empower children with disabilities. Yeah, so we run um, uh, three courses that are for uh, children under 18. So one for 13 to 17 year olds um, and one for under 13s on the under 13s. Of course, they come along with a parent and we also have spaces for siblings as well. Um, they're multi-activity courses. So they get to try out a range of activities such as abseiling, um, horse riding, canoeing, um, perhaps some things that they haven't tried before. And the idea behind that really is to sort of challenge their perceptions on what's possible to do with a spinal cord injury, uh, also to build their confidence, um, have fun, <laughs> uh, and also a, a chance to meet other children their age who are going through similar things um, so they can relate and share experience as well. I think that's so important. Like, I would have loved something like that growing up because I was always just like the only disabled person, so just desperately trying to hide that, um, and I kind of could hide it to an extent um so I think yeah for young sort of children a lot of the adults I know who sort of grew up around other disabled kids have a lot more you know they sort of just had a stronger sense of identity and acceptance with their disability because I think you know they saw it you know they had other people going through the same thing I think that's such a, a good thing that you're doing yeah, definitely. I think you can see people that are a bit further down the line or people that are a couple of years older than you and see what they're doing. And, and it makes it for you, you think, okay, that's possible. Or maybe I want to do that. Or, you know, just being able to have those conversations that you, you perhaps wouldn't have with your friends that don't have a disability. Um, and just being able to, yeah, talk about it. I think it's funny. That just reminds me of um, Crip Camp. The, mm, the that's what I was thinking about. On Netflix about um, uh, in the seventies, a camp for uh, kids with disabilities, and it just sounds exactly like that. It's it was the first time for a lot of these kids that they got to have conversations with other people with disabilities, and it just they they weren't the kind of odd one out. Like they felt like they might they might have been at school and stuff, and it was just like incredibly empowering. And it, that just carried on for them when they finished. It feels like it was a you know such an important thing. And look what that turned into. That turned into the American, like the disability rights movement. So you never know what you do in there, Ella. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's so important, isn't it? And I think those things build on confidence for children and young people as well. And um, yeah, and as they're growing up, and I had my injury when I was 10 years old. And I think then as you're sort of going into those teenage years, you're looking for that sense of identity. And within that ties in your disability and being able to have young people that you can see that are have adjusted well to their injury or challenges that they're facing, but ways that they're dealing with that as well is is really, really helpful and um, yeah, powerful stuff. You said that Backup also have a, a mentoring service for young people and parents? Yep. So our mentoring services for adults and young people uh, as well. So um, we put them in touch with um, one of our trained volunteer mentors um, to talk about a range of things really so with children we have trained young mentors so uh, young people that are under the age of 18 and um, it, they can talk to a trained mentor on a range of things it might be learning to drive wanting to go to college to university um, or just the general day-to-day stuff of living with a spinal cord injury um, so yeah that's a one of our really really helpful and well-used services seems to be at the moment a lot of online resources you know popping up for for kids at this time but I haven't kind of seen many that are sort of adaptive or or, or that accessible and I was wondering if you guys have come across any sort of more accessible online resources like um just for learning or for kind of like exercise I've I, I've seen a lot of kind of adults with spinal cord injury like yoga adaptive yoga but I'm not sure if there's kind of anything out there for for kids that's one thing that we've actually been discussing with um, NeuroConnects kids um, about creating some fun, interactive uh uh, exercise videos that are aimed at younger children as well um, so sort of short uh, weekly sessions um, to really yeah keep them active and 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 have have some fun doing exercise whilst whilst being at home I think actually um wheelpower have had bits and pieces. I'm not sure if they had them themselves or if they were directing their followers to other organizations that were doing some exercise um, activities. But they did have they did have some stuff on their social media. So it might be worth following them as well to have a look at what they've got going on. But of course that is just physical activity. Uh, and as we discussed last year last week, Gracie, especially in the cafe last week, we were saying that people kind of assume that now just because you've got a disability that you're something going to become some kind of Paralympian. You know, not not always the case. Um, and people don't necessarily always love, um, you know, ex- obviously exercise is important. So we all need to do a certain amount of it. But um, it's not the be all and end all. So any any resources that are out there for teenagers or for, for children younger than teenagers um, that they can get involved in and that they can do that's accessible um, or, you know, f- for physical disabilities and non-physical disabilities. Um, I think if anybody does come across them, please send them in to us so we can share them on social media as well. Um, that would be great. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm definitely not active myself. But it's like when it gets to the weekend, I look forward to sort of, you know, playing a board game or reading a book and especially in the sun we've been having. So yeah, it's, it's important to feel that there's a range of options out there for whatever people want to get involved in. So to back up offer, you said the, the mentoring and the courses, um, is there any kind of other support you offer, particularly maybe for parents that um, are trying to kind of raise um, empowered kids with disabilities? 
Yep. So we do mentoring for family members as well. So we have um, specifically uh, uh, trained parent mentors um, so we can uh, match uh any parent up with um, one of our mentors to talk about, yeah, how they how they deal with that, how they uh, support their child, um, things that are difficult for them as well, you know, to be able to talk and relate and share that experience. Um, as I said before, we've just started doing the uh, a, a session in our backup lounge on a Friday that's specifically for parents, um, and we'll, we'll be doing that again later on today, uh, whenever that falls when this is this goes out um and yeah just an opportunity again for them to share and and learn from each other um share things that perhaps they found helpful or um yeah what, what's going on for them Sometimes we like to throw in a game, but that has kind of gone by the wayside during these times. Um, so rather than having a game, I would just wanted to share with you, I wanted you to pick which of these lockdown lingo are the funniest because we might we might introduce a game called lockdown lingo bingo or something like that. <laughs> so um, I'm just gonna get get your reaction to these and what you think what you think of them, right? So we've got Corona coaster. So that's the ups and downs of your mood during the pandemic. It's okay. No, it's all right. Okay. Okay. We have quarantinis, which is experimental cocktails of whatever you've got left in the house. <laughs> that that sounds good. <laughs> um, locktail hour. Nice. Yeah. Some of these might be a little bit alcoholic. Um, we've got uh, Le Crusette wrist. So this is the new avocado hand. It's an aching arm after you take out your best saucepan for a bang during the weekly tap for carers. <laughs> that sounds really bad. <laughs> take your saucepan out for a bang. Um, yeah. What do we think about Le Crusette wrist? Am I being too... It's a bit niche, I think. Yeah. I think it took me a while to get it. I'm okay. Not... That, could, that one could change. Um, coronials as opposed to millennials. It's a generation who are all going to be conceived or born during the lockdown. <laughs> or you call them Generation C or Children of the Quarn. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. Uh, coronadose is an overdose of bad news from listening to too much media about the coronavirus. Okay. No, okay. No. okay. So the elephant in the Zoom so that's a really obvious issue that nobody points out during a Zoom meeting. Like if somebody's got, I don't know, toothpaste on their face or something like that, and nobody mentions it. <laughs> it's like that woman who, did you see the video of the woman who went to the loo? Oh, that was awful. Oh, it was so bad. It was hilarious. Just, it was, I just, I just don't think I could have recovered from it. That would have been it. Just, just quick. <laughs> Of a guy who, like, you know, they were just about to finish their Zoom meeting, and there's only about five or six of them in the meeting. And he stands up thinking that he's hung up, and he hasn't. And um, he's in his box, he's like scratching his bum and stuff. <laughs> and then somebody has to actually, and they're having a conversation. So, will we phone him? Will we phone? And then eventually, somebody phones him to tell, and he nearly dies. He just bolts out the door. Right? Like, I've got uh, Quentin Quarantino. 
this is the attention seeker who uses their time in lockdown to make amateur movies and thinks that they're much cleverer, cleverer and funnier than they actually are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a COVID idiot. We all know those, the ones who like public health advice. Or we could call them a Wuhan cur. <laughs> no, this you. Um, gout break, sudden fear that you've suddenly consumed so much wine, cheese, and homemade cake and Easter chocolate that your ankles are swelling up. <laughs> God, who is coming up with these? Uh, <laughs> who do you think? <laughs> Anti-social distancing, using health precautions as an excuse for snubbing neighbours and generally yes. ignoring people you find irritating. I'm into I that. Like that. Yeah. I'd take that one. <laughs> <laughs> Coffin, co- coffin Dodger, spelled C-O-U-G-H-I-N, Coffin Dodger, someone's so alarmed by an innocuous splutter or throat tear that they back away in terror. I think that's everyone at the minute. Mm. We've got mascara, extreme makeup applied to make one's eyes pop before venturing out in public wearing a face mask. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, um, and then there's... COVID-10, it's the 10 pounds in weight that we're going to put on from comfort eating, which I also call fattening the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> That's my favourite way. Anyway, so it's a very exciting, very exciting little, um, we'll have to come up. So if anybody, yeah, actually that would be a brilliant one. If any listeners come up with any of those, please do send them in and we will, we will make some kind of a game out of them in some way, shape or um, okay, so guys, as we know, we are um, in partnership with SIA for making this series, and they also have their drop-in clinics on Mondays and Wednesdays at three o'clock. So be sure to pop in there if you need anything, any advice or help during these times. Also, their um, number is oh eight hundred nine eight zero zero five zero one or you can get that on their website which is spinal.co.uk and just to let you know on thursday the 14th of may um sia will be holding a virtual cycling fundraiser so that would have been the day that their european cycling event was due to start in italy um and obviously that had to be cancelled so there will be more information coming up about the virtual alternative and we will keep you posted Posted on that and keep your eye on SIA's social channels as well for more information. Um, and they will be able to help you with anything if you're worried or have any concerns that are specific to coronavirus. Also, the backup lounge, as Ella mentioned, is on Fridays at 3 p.m. You have to pre-register for it, so make sure you pop over to their social media, have a look at what they've got going on and follow their instructions there. Um, And then we also, of course, will have our cafe on Thursdays at 3 p.m. And that's just a continuation of this week's discussion. Um, So we kind of hope that um, Ella and Nina will both be able to make it on Thursday next Thursday to come say hi yeah I'm pretty sure I can make it now because I wasn't sure if I could but I think I can now so oh fab cool yeah. 
So guys, you can find our social media pages on Instagram at this is Spinal Crap, Facebook and Twitter at Spinal Crap Show. You can email this is Spinal Crap at gmail.com or sign up for the newsletter on our website, www.thisisspinalcrap.com. So in the meantime, relax, open a bottle of your finest furlough Merlot, and until next time, this is Spinal Crap. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Is Spinal Crap. And thank you to our sponsors, Colaplast. If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. 